Welcome back. We're glad you have chosen to join us for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56, entitled, No Time for Delay. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, it is interesting that few were done the same way. He wasn't following a formula. Rather, the demonstrations of his power put his glory on display and gave people a reason to believe in him. Here's Pastor Tim. Their conditions may be common, but I want you to see secondly that they're cures. <laughs> they're contrasting. And they're not ordinary. They are extraordinary. It is incredible what Jesus has done in these past for both of these people. Now, now just remember now, these people, there's no time for delay for them. They are in a hurry. You know, for the late, she feels like she doesn't have much time left, and there certainly is not much time left on the part of Jairus in behalf of his daughter. They're in a hurry, just like we all are. But Jesus takes his time and deals with each one of them individually. You ever watched a Billy Graham crusade? Watch it all the way through. Billy Graham preaches his message. Typically, whatever, whatever the message is, it's a simple gospel. And at the end of that message, he gives an invitation. And he says something like, if you would like to receive Jesus today, I want you to come forward. I had a guy that I worked with, actually really kind of worked for. He was my immediate boss at the first church that I worked in doing junior high ministry. And, uh, and, and this guy went to a Billy Graham crusade in Little Rock. We were in Memphis, and he drove over to Little Rock to see it. Came back, he was so excited. He always talked in this high-pitched voice. He said, man, you wouldn't believe what, what went on that Billy Graham crusade. Billy Graham preached, and he said, anybody wants to get saved, come down here. 3,000 people. <laughs> you know? That's kind of what a Billy Graham crusade really is like, isn't it? Do you know those 3,000 people who come forward and never get saved together? It's always one-on-one, isn't it? Jesus loves you. He doesn't love you because of the family that you're in. He doesn't love you because of the friends that you surround yourself with. He didn't love you because of your job. He didn't even love you because of your church. He loves you. And He will minister to you, even if you don't think that He will. Let's contrast these two people a little bit. Number one, the older was isolated, but the younger had an intercessor. This, this older lady, right here in the middle of the store, the lady that's kind of in parentheses, has nobody else. She doesn't have a name. She doesn't have, I mean, she's got a name, but we just don't know what it is. We don't know anything about a family. We don't know anything about anybody. We know that she is by herself in this crowd. She is all alone. If she doesn't do it, <laughs> there ain't nobody they're going to do it for. And then there's this little girl. She can't do it. She can't go to Jesus. She can't go to where he is. 
She can't ask for help. She can't get down on her knees. She can't beg Jesus for her life. She can't even slide into the back of the crowd, touch the hem of his garment, and be healed. She can't do any of that. She needs somebody in her corner. She needs somebody who will serve as an intercessor for her. In this case, ain't nobody better than dad. Nobody's going to be more passionate. Nobody's going to be more loving. Nobody's going to be more humble than dad to go and help her. Do you have somebody? Do you have somebody that you trust? Somebody that you know loves you. Loves you despite those quirks. Everybody's got them. (laughs) Loves you despite what you've done. Loves you despite the fact that there have been times where you've been at odds with one another. Do you have somebody like that? Do you have somebody that will pray for you? I mean, pray for you. Somebody who thinks about you often. Somebody who will go to battle on your behalf. Can I tell you this in a very practical way today? If you don't have somebody like that, number one, you need somebody like that. Number two, you can ask the Lord for somebody like that. The Bible says that God took the heart of David and the heart of Jonathan and He, God, knit them together. In the New Testament, the Bible says that our hearts are knit together in love. You know, there was a time in my life when I felt like the loneliest person on the face of the earth. And I remember seeing somebody and thinking, I want that guy to be my friend. I just took those verses before the Lord. God, you knit Jonathan's heart with David's heart. You knit our hearts together in the New Testament. Knit my heart together with that guy's heart because I need a friend. And God did it. And He'll do it for you. You need a genuine friend in Jesus. All right, let's get back. Number two. The older one came secretly, but the younger one came with supplication. We kind of talked about that. Here's dad. He's on his face. He is begging Jesus to come to his house and to heal his daughter. Even when they say, it's too late. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. By the way, please hear this. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You are not troubling Jesus when you talk to him. Never. You are not interrupting him. They don't have to come and say, don't trouble the teacher. He's not troubling Jesus. What they're saying is, it's too late. But Jesus tells him to believe, doesn't he? It doesn't say it in the passage. It just says that Jesus tells him, your daughter, I mean, when they say your daughter is dead, don't trouble the teacher. Jesus says, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. And then it just says, when they got to the house. 
The unspoken exchange has to be, I believe. I believe. Despite my profession, I believe. Despite my family, I believe. Despite all logic and all conclusions, I believe. He is praying for this little girl. He is asking Jesus to do something incredible. The woman, on the other hand, wants to stay hidden. I mean, he's doing all of this stuff in public, right in front of everybody. And she doesn't want anybody to know. She wants to sneak into the crowd. She wants to reach, grab the garment, and then she wants to melt into the background. There's a bunch of you just like that. You want to pray. You want Jesus to do something. And then you just want to hide back in the security of a crowd. When Jesus has his eye on you, there ain't no security in the crowd, is there? I mean, what a, what a ridiculous question. Who touched me? And that's what Peter says. What are you talking about, Jesus? People are, people are mashing in on you, and you're saying, who touched me? He said, not like that. He says, I sense power going out from me. Even though she is trying to do this in secret, she still receives the power of God in her life, and Jesus is not going to allow her to remain secret, to remain hidden. She has to come forward. Look at it. She is trembling, and she takes up the same position that Jairus takes. She falls down right before him. But look at this. Instead of begging Jesus to heal her, she already knows. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him. And look at this. How she was healed immediately. Immediately. Not only was she healed, she knew it. She sensed it. The power of God was in her midst. And there was no doubt in her mind. She may be the biggest introvert that you've ever seen. Jesus calls her to let everybody else know. All right, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so let's go to number three. The older person touched Jesus. The younger person was touched by Jesus. That's more than just a, more than just a neat little play there, you know. She, she reached out and touched him. Jesus reaches out and grabs the hand of this little girl. Let's go all the way back to those thoughts about the Jews as they see this unfolding and as they read it. These two people are unclean. I mean, if, if anybody had known that that woman with that flow of blood was in the midst of this throng, this crowd. <laughs> Suddenly the crowd parts like the Red Sea. You know? I mean, that, that probably was a pun that I didn't intend. But anyway, they, I mean, they, 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 they parted like the Red Sea because they don't want anything to do with her. They touch her, she touches them. They're unclean. Right? This little girl is dead. She is a dead 
corpse, a dead body. The Bible is clear. Don't, don't touch those things. And yet Jesus does. So we say that the woman was unclean. We say that the little girl was unclean. But they're not the only ones in the story, are they? Ceremonially speaking, Jesus is unclean. And he didn't care. He didn't care about that. All the man-made things that we have done, Jesus does not care about that. In the same way that that man was willing to lay down his dignity, in the same way that that woman was finally bold enough to speak up, Jesus goes beyond what natural man-made laws and umbrellas are out there. And simply does what he will. That lady reached out and touched Jesus. Jesus reached down and took the hand of that little girl. Then told her to arise. Let me give you one more. The older was cured publicly. But the younger was cured privately. Privately. You know, this... This woman, the one that's in parentheses, everybody sees that, don't they? I mean, everybody in that place knows exactly what has happened to this woman, and especially when she declares before all of them what has happened. They hear Jesus say in verse number 48, Daughter, you know, you may not belong to anybody else, but you belong to me. Daughter. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. They know. And there's some people in that crowd who are able to say, my goodness, if Jesus can do it for her, He can do it for me. It's one of the great powers of a testimony, isn't it? You share your testimony, somebody, somebody, somewhere can identify with you. When they do what they thought was once impossible, they come to the conclusion, if Jesus can do it for him, for her, he can do it for me. That's public. And this little girl <laughs> was private. I mean, it was. Jesus, Jesus already put everybody out of the house, right? I mean, they're making fun of Jesus. Don't weep. She's not dead. She's asleep. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn because they knew good and well that she's dead. You know? Jesus doesn't allow anybody in there except himself, Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad. Nobody else gets to see what goes on. But they know, don't they? I mean, look at this in verse number 56. Her parents were astonished, duh. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you keep that a secret? First of all, those same people that were laughing in verse number 53 get to see this little girl leave her room. Kind of hard to keep this one quiet, isn't it? Now, I understand that there, there are a number of reasons why Jesus continues to say, you know, don't tell anybody. 
But isn't it fascinating that when Jesus says, don't tell anybody, that everybody runs out and tells. And yet he tells us to go and tell, and we don't want to go tell. You think these are great stories? I mean, I do. They're incredible stories. Your story's just as good. He took somebody who was dead and dying and made them alive again. Your story is worth telling. And there's no time for delay. None. Let's pray. Jesus, I cannot thank you enough for what you've done for me in my life. As I look through this congregation and just see life after life after life after life that you have touched with your power. Why are we not in revival? Why, why don't we have great and high expectations? You've already done more than we could possibly imagine. And yet you want to do so much more. In the same way that this woman had to yield and come forward, in the same way that dad had to yield and believe, today we come forward. Physically, spiritually, we come forward. Maybe, maybe we come to, like, like me or Sage, and, 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 and have somebody pray with us. Maybe we literally come forward to come to the altar to pray, alone or with a friend. Father, we recognize that the days are getting short. The days of your return are closer than it's ever been. Should you tarry, the days of my demise are closer than they've ever been. Give us unction. Give us power. Give us fervor. Give us desperation. And honor yourself in the process. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me where you are? Maybe you do want to come to the altar. Maybe you do want to come pray with us. Maybe it's because you need to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe it's because you, you need Him to do something that seems almost impossible. Listen, whatever you need to do today, let's let Jesus do what He wants to do today. You ready? All right, show them. This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.